0: Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you.
1: You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to
0: Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible.
1: My legs are a bit (laughs) squinted.
0: Yeah, we're streaming to you live from Zara's bedroom floor.
1: I'm going to be cramping through this whole thing.
0: I literally have pins and needles and we're about 30 seconds in.
1: All right, stop complaining. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that goes deep on everything you never knew you wanted to know. That was a bit like that. <laughs> You're joined by Melbourne journalist Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Uh, a very
0: special hello to our 12 uh, listeners from Saudi Arabia today. Hope you're all
1: enjoying celebrity news from down under. How good. Coming up on today's episode, why the Bachelor in Paradise contestants must ask permission before having sex, Britney Spears' random foray back onto our radar, and the Robin Williams story we feel just a little bit weird about. First, Michelle, how is your week going?
0: Um ah uh, well, it's just started because it's Monday. Sorry, how was your week? How was my week i've had I've just been sneezing the entire time. Maybe I'm allergic to being twenty four
1: uh. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay, there, there's that. I don't know if it's um, hay fever if I have a cold, but yeah, I've been sneezing the entire time. That's the only thing going on? Uh, basically, that's it. What about you?
1: Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> no sneezing? How's your nostrils? Uh, no, not that much going on. To be honest, for someone, because I never really got into married at first sight... Um, the fact that The Bachelor is coming back, Bachelor in Paradise is on, makes me feel like I can really get involved in something.
0: Yeah, same. I, f- I watched a few Married at First Sight episodes and it was really juicy and really good. But this year I just could not dedicate so many hours of my life. I calculated every episode of Married at First Sight equaled about 50
1: hours. It was a full week of work that people dedicated to that show. Yeah, it's pretty insane, isn't it? Um, I mean, I think Bachelor in Paradise might only be once or twice a week, so I can get into that. How did you find last night's premiere? I actually really liked it. I
0: didn't have high expectations going in because I've seen the US version. It's a bit...
1: Have you watched the US version? Yeah, I
0: have. I watched one season um, of the US Bachelor in Paradise. And it's good, but it's the type of thing that you can dip in and out of, and that's what makes me love it. A lot because it's not so user friendly. Yeah, exactly. That you can, you don't really have to follow the storyline. It's not like Married at First Sight where you have to commit. If you're gonna watch it, you have to commit and watch every episode. Otherwise, it's like what the fuck is going on. But with Batch in Paradise, it's just so sugary. It's just so surface level and basic.
1: It'll be interesting to me how Osha argues this one because it's pretty. I think you can argue with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that some people are there for love. Some people are there just for fame. But this one, it's a little bit harder to argue that they're there for love and not just a royal good time. Oh, my God. They're all
0: there to get laid, to get a tan, and to get Instagram followers. It's
1: because they become irrelevant. It sounds terrible, but after a little bit, you become you are the most famous person in the country <laughs> for about two weeks and then people slowly forget who you are. So it's, maybe it's relevance deprivation syndrome getting them all on there.
0: You know, my favorite thing as well is when the Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons are on, for those few weeks, all the contestants are out every weekend, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at, we're from Melbourne, obviously, so Melbourne's biggest nightclubs or bars, and you see them every night of the weekend because it's
1: like they're really trying to clutch on to that. You would though. But what I found really funny about the Bachelor in Paradise is they all arrive and it's not like, hi, nice to meet you, hi, nice to meet you. It's, oh, nice to see you. Yeah. And then you realise half of them actually haven't met. They've just been talking on Instagram. So I think technically they should be saying nice to meet you because you haven't met. (laughs) You've only been Instagram DMing.
0: My absolute highlight of last night's episode was when Blake said, so I'm guessing a lot of guys slid into your DMs. And my mum looked at me to be like, the what now?
1: I mean, that, I don't think we can use that like publicly. That's a very colloquial term. But he's, uh, slid he's, into he's, your DMs. Speaking of Blake though, I saw a really interesting tweet last night about Blake. Um, we were shamelessly live tweeting <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise uh, uh, uh. last night. And I saw a really interesting tweet about Blake where a few months ago he was in the news. I think it was about revenge porn with Jen Hawk. There's some (gasps) ugly stories going on around him. Then pulls into question why with all of the past Bachelor contestants, you bring him, Channel 10? Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. I don't think... But it's not just a dick. I think there's some really questionable stuff going on there and if these are the kinds of people...
0: Well, he's a dick to the nth degree. He's actually a bad guy based on what he's done.
1: I'm sure he can redeem himself if he wants to go... But I think it's just really important for a lot of people to keep in mind um, that there are these really murky allegations going on behind the scenes. And to as long as we don't celebrate him hugely and we keep reminding ourselves of that, that's really important.
0: Um, And speaking of what people need to remind themselves of... Uh, we were speaking last night about the fact that there will be sex on this show. Well, I hope there is. I've been
1: hanging out for. Sex they all on the have Bachelor their own. Ages. They all have their own little huts, so I'm sure they will.
0: Yeah, they absolutely will. But there's gonna ha- there's actually really tight rules around, um, them actually sleeping together on this show, and that all stems back to the US Bachelor.
1: Well, so Lorena gave an interview last week, I think it was with Channel 9's The Fix, which is their celebrity um, dedicated website. And she said that it was really interesting. They had to basically ask permission before having sex. So every single time they wanted to have sex, the producers would come in and make sure they were all consenting. Ask, are you consenting now? Are you consenting later? Are you consenting to this entire, you know, thing? And they would ask that time and time and time again. And you're right. It does come back to the fact on the US Bachelor in Paradise last year, Some of you, I don't know, might remember there were huge sexual assault allegations going on because one of the contestants, I think it was Corinne.
0: Yeah, a producer flagged that they thought Corinne was too intoxicated to consent.
1: Yeah, and the interesting part, of course, is everything's caught on camera. So you can see how intoxicated she was um she claims she has no recollection of the entire exchange Mm. it was all really really messy the production had to stop you know cease production stopped yeah um
0: well it's yeah it's just the type of thing i guess where they've got to be really on top of it i think um love island in the uk it's very similar to batch in paradise but basically you don't know the contestants it's almost like big brother crossed with Batch in Paradise, I guess. And before they have sex, they have to talk to a producer about it, give their consent, and they have to use a condom. So if you're not using a condom, you get one strike, and if you get two strikes, you're is off that, the show. Is that
1: public on the show? Like, oh, he didn't use a condom, he uh, got one I think strike.
0: contestants were speaking about it when they got eliminated because there is a lot of sex on that show, and basically they don't want there to be a baby or an unwanted pregnancy. It
1: strikes me as odd then that the same measures wouldn't be taken in Bachelor in Paradise, you well, maybe,
0: yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, there probably should have been, definitely should have been from the get-go.
1: And this is where they've got themselves into a heap of trouble. And so I think it'll be interesting for us watching to see if we can glean any of that stuff as as viewers i'm just so fascinated
0: who will have sex and how much of the sex we will see will it be like geordie shore style sex under the doona or will it be bachelor us style sex where they just kind of play you a bit of the noise yeah (laughs) and and show you the outside of the door (laughs) (laughs) i'm
1: sure that will be it do you reckon yeah. No, under the do nah, action. Nah. Too early. Be- Seven thirty is too early. It's also well on brand to just show the door and and a weird like slipper mic under the door. Really heavy breathing. Yeah, okay. Well I look forward to this next week. Before we move on, who'll be the first to have sex? Um, what couple?
0: Davy? Is that Davy? too obvious? I'm gonna go Davy and Florence.
1: Yeah, I oh that's what they're telling us it will be, so maybe it won't be. Maybe but it will be like other- Florence and Jake because they've already had sex. <gasps> Jake.
0: I, well the other rumor is that uh Davy and Tara end up together. So
1: I think they're trying to make us think that they're together because they're uploading photos together, but that might be a bit of a buddy buddy thing.
0: Oh so I'm falling for it.
1: Yeah. Great. Let's um pick this up next week, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always. We're going to give you five of the biggest celebrity headlines you might have missed this week. Mish, you're up this week. What have you got? My turn. All right. First
0: story that caught my eye. This was from news.com.au. Reason Meghan Markle's real name was left off royal wedding invitation. Why was that, Zara?
1: Well, her real name is Rachel. Yes. Meghan Markle. I have read... I think I read this article. Is it a bit of a shitty explanation in that it's because they wanted a modern wedding and they're trying to position themselves as very modern. Basically. Yeah. Basically. I was pretty disappointed with that outcome. This
0: was good. From People magazine, Paris Hilton reportedly lost her $2 million engagement ring at a Miami nightclub. Spoiler alert, she found it again. Did she? Yeah. The uh, security and her fiance had to stop everything. So everyone at the nightclub basically had to pause on their partying. They went through everything. She was in this VIP section- so they basically tore it apart looking for this $2 million, I think it's like 20 carat diamond ring. Sounds
1: really silly. But when you think it's worth $2 million, which is more than most houses, I think you'd, you'd stop the Oh my God, you
0: would freak out. But apparently her fiance was super calm and he was totally fine about it because she's worth like $500 million or something. Is so, she still
1: worth that much though? Yeah,
0: she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars Oh, actually, still. she's still got um, family money, of course. Yeah, exactly. So, and she's got all of her singles, which are just crazy bestsellers. One of them's good. What, what single was ever gonna, good?
1: I'm not going to sing it now, but the one about the stars. That was. Okay. Onwards. You're outrageous. <laughs> anyway, they found it. They found yeah. it in a bucket of
0: ice. I would just like to say if you have an expensive ring, don't get wear it fit it. to your finger. What? Why would you. Apparently, she was dancing and it just flung off. How does that happen? Oh, no. You want that, like,
1: well sewn to your finger. God, yeah.
0: You want it embedded in your yeah. skin. Uh, third story. This is from 2Fab, which I didn't even know that was a thing, but okay. 2Fab reported that Drew Barrymore. So this is a fake story. <laughs> no, it's, it was recorded. So we know it's legit. Drew Barrymore avoids eating turkey testicles by name dropping least talented
1: co-star as Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I love Jake. So I'm disappointed by that. Yes.
0: Yeah, so this was on, uh, that, I think it's like eat. Spill your guts or fill your guts with James Corden on yeah, the Late Late course. Show. Yeah, so basically he said you either tell me who your least talented co-star is or you eat testicles,
1: and she named Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Also, why why go on that show in the first place? Well, PR. She's probably yeah. Got I know stuff there are a sell. million late night shows. Go on <laughs> another. Go on the karaoke. I'd go in car- karaoke with James Corden. She had to drink bird saliva instead of
0: answering. Oh, it was another question, yeah. but she'd already drunk bird saliva. So I think it's kind of understandable that she'd want to pass on the fair enough. turkey testicles. But yeah, I'm sure she's fine. She then went on a red carpet and bought a I Love Jake Gyllenhaal poster with her. So in all the red carpet photos, she's standing there with a this sign. This
1: is probably part of the grand plan then. We're probably the suckers.
0: No, I think it was just, she's just funny. Drew Barrymore has funny. sense funny. She is funny. She also made news this week, just quickly. I'll sneak another headline in. Here we go. Because someone came up to her on the street and said, are you expecting another baby? And she said, nope, just fat. Um. I love her. She's <laughs> good. I love her so much. All right. This is from Mamma Mia. Because he's the ultimate cliche... Trump Jr.'s wife, Vanessa, discovered his infidelity while he was in the shower.
1: This story is bizarre because this infidelity is dated back to 2011 and 2012. Yeah. We're in 2018. Yeah. Well, they've just gotten divorced
0: now, but apparently Mm -hmm. what happened was Trump Jr. was on Celebrity Apprentice with his dad and his sister, (laughs) and he had an affair with Audrey O'Day, I think her name is. She was a former contestant, right? Former
1: contestant, yeah. Um... I'm not, I think she's a singer. I just think it's, oh, she must be a celebrity if it was Celebrity Apprentice. I just think it's odd that although they're getting divorced now, every single reason we're told for the divorce is dated back to 2011 and 2012. Or oh, that's really the only concrete yeah, cheating scandal we have. True.
0: I just love that he got caught while he's in the shower
1: because I feel like
0: that's every douchebag husband in the world goes to the shower, wife checks his phone, yeah. and he's sexting some so true. other woman. All right, and my last headline was from Sydney Morning Herald. Richard Wilkins issues grovelling
1: apology to Dua Lipa. Oh, this is so good. This was so good. I think Dua Lipa like takes no prisoners. She seems like she takes no bullshit. Yeah, so and she only really came on
0: the scene in the last. She only came a couple into, of months. Yeah, well, like last year, maybe. Couple.
1: To be honest, she only came into my radar a couple of months ago. But I assume she'd been. I'm pretty late to the party on music, so Dua Lipa, obviously well-known singer, supporting Bruno ba- Mars. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. <laughs> <Bruno bars. laughs> Tell you what, it would have been a catchy stage name, um, while he was uh, touring Australia. Yeah, she's a big deal, and her songs are actually legitimately good. I'm not the I I'm like not them. the authority but of what makes good music. She had to cancel a lot of her supporting acts because of getting her tonsils wisdom, wisdom teeth. teeth. Wisdom anyway, teeth. there was uh, Richard Wilkins played a clip um, on the Today Show last week of her on Jimmy Kimmel, and did he tweet it or maybe he said it publicly on the TV show saying, "Oh, how sick must she be." If she can be on Jimmy Kimmel. And so she roasted him saying, what, you think this was live? Yeah. This was recorded so long ago. It was recorded in February.
0: So he basically made the implication that she cared more about her US fans than her Australian fans. And she didn't take too kindly to that. And then he had to apologize. Dickie might be losing his touch. Ah, Dickie. Dickie, Dicky, Dickie. We spoke, this is two weeks in a row. We spoke about oh, Richard okay. Wilkins. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to slip him in next week. He said, sorry, I think on a uh, later episode last week of the today show, he wrote sorry on his ass. Oh, cause she said, you're speaking out of your ass. Fair so enough. he wrote sorry on it. Oh,
1: well played. How good morning he's so,
0: television. He's so, he's so witty that Dickie.
1: That's all for the quick and dirty this week. That is all for the quick and
0: dirty this week.
1: I personally believe that U S Americans are unable to do so Because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have that. And uh, I believe that our education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as. And I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries.
0: Britney Spears was making headlines this week for two reasons. Not only did the 36-year-old pop star sign on to be the new face of Kenzo's collection, she's back in the news for a child support dispute with her ex-husband, Kevin Federline. I forgot all about K-Fed. K-Fed. So did I. K-Fed's back. In the 20 years we've known Britney, how has she managed to stay relevant? Zara
1: McDonald. Great question. I Britney has not been on my radar in a very, very long time. Mm. I would say... Between five and ten years, which is half my life, even yeah. Since Circus came out, I feel like yeah. she's kind of not been or that um song with Will I Am. Well, and what I only just realised recently um is that she has been performing in Las Vegas mm-hmm. um for the last two years. I only found this out recently when loss. When, loss. when Lady Gaga was announced to um, have a Las Vegas residency, was it's basically just like they perform a heap of shows over the course of what, two years in Las Vegas? Yeah, this is going to make me sound so millennial. I had no idea what a residency Nor was. Nor me either. Um, but I didn't realise how much money they make from oh, doing it. huge. Like hundreds of thousands of dollars a show. So that's yeah. where Britney's been. She's been in Las Vegas performing. Earning $475,000 every show Sh- she does. Which is insane. I guess I just assumed she probably didn't need to make any more money, that she was probably just living off the money that she had made. Well,
0: earlier, I guess she would have lost a lot of the money that she made earlier. Her dad, Jamie is still the uh, legal guardian yes. of her financial and legal affairs. And
1: that happened after her breakdown, breakdown, right? I think what we all
0: forget, I mean, the reason she's been in the news this week is twofold. Like I said, so she's in there for the parental dispute with Kevin Federline. I had no idea that k is still the full guardian, full... Uh, he still has full custody yeah. of their two children.
1: So you deep-dived this a little bit this
0: week, right? Yeah, I did. So I guess what I was looking back at is... Uh, Britney's history I guess when it was 2007 2008 and she was having her breakdown I was quite young and so were you it's 10 years ago we were just teenagers and I'd grown up absolutely adoring Britney, but I had no idea how messy her breakdown got this wasn't just a child star who fell she was a child star who absolutely plummeted so she had drug addiction problems has she admitted that uh, she was a uh, court basically mandated that she had to go to, um, rehab and do drug tests. So to have her kids, she had to do regular drug tests and she didn't submit the vast majority of them, but I had no idea that she had multiple allegations of child abuse and neglect against her two children. I think their names are Jade and James and Sean. So now they're 11 and 12. This was all playing out when they were babies and toddlers, But are these Um, allegations coming from KFED? No, these allegations were coming from the Department of Child and Family Services. So these were people who were coming into the home and observing that she was not fit to be a parent. And this was around the time, this was after the umbrella incident, which everyone knows, the green umbrella paparazzi car incident. I had no idea just how messy and complicated this all got at the worst time of her life, which makes me so fascinated as to how she's kind of orchestrated this rise up again, this very gentle, uh, steady rise from, that was what, 10 years ago that all that went down, and 10 years later, she's earning a million dollars a week, and she's the face of a major fashion, high fashion company.
1: Well, that's what I want to get to in a second, the Kenzo stuff, because... When you paint the picture, I think, of the breakdown of her marriage with Kevin Federline and everything that's happened since then, it is very surprising that she's got herself to a place where she can be signed on to such a high fashion label. Um, I When I deep-dived their marriage with Kevin Federline, it felt like one of those relationships that moves so fast that the, the breakdown can only be, like, for lack of a better word, a bit of hate like, mm. It fell apart very quickly. There's a great quote from Kevin, which was, Our life was running at 150,000 miles per hour. I soaked up as much of the lifestyle as I could. This is him to Us Weekly two years ago or three years ago. I'd walk into a club and get a table worth $15,000 a night and unlimited free drinking. To not have to worry about making my next car payment felt like a huge weight lifted off my soul, but everything got so crazy. As much as we talk about her being the one that fell apart and things like that, I think he, he doesn't come out of this... Scott free either uh, he i think the picture that i gleaned from reading a lot about him about his relationship with britney about the breakdown was that he was a backup dancer, mm-hmm. so he entered into her lifestyle. He didn't have the same lifestyle as her before they got together. It might have been crazy because you're on that circuit.
0: And the way they got together was crazy in itself. He had an, he had already gotten his girlfriend pregnant, or yes. his fiance I think, at the time, and while she was pregnant, he ran off with Britney.
1: And didn't she have another kid with him too? Yes.
0: Yeah. So he's got, at the moment, he's a father of six. So he's got a wife now who's got two kids with, he's got two kids with Britney, and he's got two kids with his first fiance who he left Britney for. Sorry, continue. I just find that so interesting.
1: No, no, I agree with you. I appreciate the uh, butt-in because that's I'm an a Britney expert now. That's an interesting fact. Um, What I think is interesting this week is he they are both in the news is because he's demanding more child support. So he gets paid, what, 20 grand a month for those two kids.
0: Yeah, 20K a month in child support. And basically he's saying that because of Britney's swelling wealth, He deserves more because he wants to provide a lifestyle for his children that is similar between his mum and his dad, and they agreed on twenty thousand dollars. I think dating back to two thousand and eight. I actually think
1: it was in their prenup. Really? Yeah. So they had a really, um, I think they had a pretty watertight prenup before they got married. Interesting. Um, and I think this comes back to this to that. What is weird? What I'm really conflicted by is twenty grand a month for two kids. A lot of money for for most people. Mm. um It's not that much money when you consider how much she's earning every night.
0: If you're earning a million dollars
1: a week, I i don't know. I think
0: Kevin Federline got a bit of a tough rap in the uh news cycle this week. He comes
1: across as a bit of a gold digger. I have to say, he does come across yeah, as a bit does, of a gold digger. That's why I'm conflicted. Is I don't
0: really care. I guess he's been the sole carer. Brittany does have her kids. From what I could glean, this is the other thing that's really tricky. There's not a lot of detail out there about exactly how they run their lives at the moment. And there's also
1: not one clear narrative, like one straight line narrative that I can can get a picture of either which is really confusing
0: yeah so basically what i could gather from the limited information out there is that britney has those two boys on some weekends or on some holidays it's basically interspersed with long blocks of time that kevin Federline is the full-time dad and that's how many tabloids describe him as a full-time father while britney is kind of the working mum who has a lot going on she's got a very young boyfriend he's only 23 or 24 he's a model And I don't think he is out of his mind to ask for more money. I guess it would be very difficult having two kids who are accustomed to getting whatever they want because their mum earns squillions of dollars every year. And for you to go, you know what, we need to change this arrangement because I don't have much money I don't want to feel like the boys aren't provided for. They're about to go into high school. So there's also that added into it. They're going to be going to a very prestigious high school.
1: As no, that's expect. fair. And I think kids obviously get more expensive as they get older. Mm. Um, what
0: I think It's her... all very privileged and white. It's all very white bread.
1: Of course. Still interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting.
0: Well, this is the other thing but, that I... Oh, sorry. No,
1: you're right. I was just going to say um, her argument in this, though, is that She's giving him this money and she can't track whether he's spending this money on his four other kids, which is a fair, I would say, fair concern if that was me. Yeah, fair concern, fair concern. I guess
0: I wouldn't really care if he is or isn't. You're earning a million dollars a week. so Also,
1: I think the other way to look at it is that these are your son's brothers or sisters. So although you don't have to directly help fund their lives, you want them to survive. Yeah, exactly. Starve. You want them
0: to be thriving. Yeah. Uh, I guess another layer of this, which just makes it all so bizarre, is that we know, when you deep dive into Britney's history, we know how dark and murky and messy it got. If you go to her Wikipedia page, the word umbrella and breakdown and mental illness do not feature... So it is very interesting. I don't know how large Brittany's team is, but they have got their hands all over her Wikipedia page and all over a lot of what's on the internet. Her father plays a
1: huge role in this. Yeah.
0: So to the point where if you go on Brittany's Wikipedia page... All of her breakdown, court proceedings, losing custody of her children, driving under the influence, uh, driving without a license, attacking paparazzi. She ran over a paparazzo's foot. She attacked one with an umbrella. Sorry, it's not funny. So many things. So, 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 so many things culminated in her losing custody of her children in 2007, 2008. However, on her Wikipedia page, it's very, very brief. for such a long Wikipedia page. It mentions her going to rehab and it then very quickly turns everything into how positive her career was during this time, how many albums she sold, how many tours she went on. It is incredible considering how terrible her life was at that point that there is no detail about it.
1: And I think, to be honest, that's exactly how it should be. Like you can – I think we can know that she has had problems in the past with – uh, drugs. We can know that she had a breakdown of her marriage. We can know that she might have child. abuse. Well, I didn't know she had child. No, abuse but allegation. I don't think I don't think that's our right to know that stuff. I truly don't. I think there's only so much private information that we should know. Truly. And I think that we saw those pictures of her when she had had the umbrella. We saw the pictures when she had shaved her head, when she was getting out of the car with no underwear on. All of that stuff, we saw that. We don't need to be told that it happened and we don't need to keep throwing it in her face. Like as long as we know, and I think in terms of that Wikipedia page, We can know that she had an addiction. We can know that she went to rehab, but we don't need to know the nitty-gritty. We were there. We saw it. I don't think it needs to be in the public domain all the time, like a really bad shadow in her wake.
0: Yeah, not at all. I just think it's really fascinating to look at the machinations behind a celebrity and how... uh... Strictly, their lives are policed and their PR is policed and their brand is policed. But that's what makes the Kenzo partnership yeah, so interesting this is to why me it's weird. because I don't see it as a neat connection. If she was modeling for, um, oh, what was that what old would you say? brand? That old brand where it was like John Paul, no, I can't remember the hats and stuff that was all. Oh, contrasted. Von Dutch. If she was modeling for Von Dutch it would have made sense to me. I don't know if Von Dutch is still a label. I don't even know if that's still a thing. I do remember Von Dutch,
1: though, back in the day when I was about 12.
0: And I guess uh, Kenzo described it as she's the queen of denim. So they want her on board because there's a lot of denim in their collection and she's the queen of denim. It just struck me as a bit
1: weird. It it did strike. Okay, at the start, it struck me as surprising for sure because I think when these high fashion brands choose an ambassador, They have a pool of squeaky clean models and celebrities that they can choose from um, to tie their brand really neatly with. When I dug into a little bit more, it made a lot of sense when you think about how um, the fashion industry is at the moment. So I think to give context, we should give the quotes from um, Kenzo's creative director. And he said, number one, Britney Spears is an icon. So I think in terms of her iconography, she fits into, is that a word? Iconography, sure. Sure. Let's do it. She—it's f- not my word; it's his. <laughs> she fits into our memento project perfectly. She is a legend in her feel. I think that in many ways, growing up, she is also synonymous with denim. With me, with her and Justin Timberlake came out when her and Justin Timberlake, sorry, came out in their denim outfits. That is like an iconic look. That is like an iconic look. But it's kind of iconic for all the wrong reasons. No, okay, but this is this is all about how they're branding their new collection, right? So when I thought about this straight away, I thought everything we know about Britney is everything to do with the 90s. Like Britney, when she peaked, was early 2000s, late 90s, and it's all yeah, of... Yeah, I think every, it, was 1999
0: when it was her absolute
1: burst out into the And scene. every single iconic look we remember of her is from that time. As we've spoken about a lot, I think as if you've read much um, about fashion or if you've been interested in fashion, we know that the 90s are coming back hugely at the moment. Every single, I think, part... Of the nineties is coming back, whether it be how we do our hair or how we dress ourselves, or shoes and platform shoes and things like that. They're clearly trying to nod to the nineties, tapping out, into that, not, pulling out the most iconic nineties person they possibly can, putting them in their campaign and saying, "This is the kind of this is the kind of collection that we're releasing this year." Yeah, and, and they're definitely trying to me.
0: they're definitely trying to encapsulate who Britney was at that time as well. I mean, they've got her in crop tops and kind of denim booty shorts, and they're really tapping into that. Belly button piercing, American sweetheart. But I
1: love that. And I I don't follow Kenzo's collections very closely. But now that, that I know, A, that they've got Britney, B, that it's made news, I can make a really strong connection between who their ambassador is and what their con- collection will look like and what they're trying to brand themselves as this year. And I think that's really clever. Unexpected. I don't know if I'd go clever, but I think sure. it's really, really clever. Um, And the clothes hopefully will speak for themselves. So long as I think they must be confident that she is on the straight and narrow. And she must have been performing in Las Vegas for the last two years. That she's I think not it's gonna... even more. I think she's coming up to four years. Oh, my bad. I keep saying two. Yeah. Hu- so then that's a huge amount of time to have stayed on the straight and narrow. I think they must be confident that she's not going to damage their brand in any way. And brand Britney has proven to be
0: just formidable i guess if it can last 20 years who knows how much longer we're going to be talking about her she's the age of kim kardashian so is she really she's the age of kim kardashian she's 36 so i mean she's the similar age to a lot of the pop stars who are out there and at their prime beyonce kim kardashian britney spears who knows maybe she'll be around for another 10 years absolutely killing it and absolutely profiting off the brand that she made when she was 16 years old
1: I've been around people
0: and I've gotten the high off of it and that is enough for me. I cannot, I can't do that. I don't do that. You talked about experimenting, partying, cocaine? No, I never. They left the impression
1: that at clubs that you tried cocaine. I've experimented in, in partying, but never that. I could never. This week, Robin Williams' Mork & Mindy co-star Pam Dorber claims she was repeatedly sexually harassed by the late comedian, telling the New York Times journalist Dave Itzkoff, I had the grossest things done to me by him and I never took offence. I mean, I was flashed, humped, bumped, grabbed. I think he probably did it to a lot of people, but it was such fun. Headlines appeared across the web with many referencing the sexual harassment part of the story and not Dorber's insistence that she didn't have a problem with it. Mish, How are you feeling about this story?
0: Um, I guess I get really frustrated when we force victimhood onto women. I always think that we should take sexual harassment allegations seriously, but this was never a sexual harassment allegation. This was her speaking in a biography that's going to be coming out about Robin Williams, speaking about her time with him on the show, and She never framed it as a sexual harassment. So, and I just called
1: it sexual harassment and everybody is, but I don't know what other language to use apart from. I don't think it
0: is. I don't think it is because I don't think you can make someone see. So what would you call it? I think it was her experience with him on the show. I, she. I mean, we work in the media.
1: You know how tight a headline is when you're trying to put it in a. Yeah, headline, of, course, of course, but what
0: use, the her hell do you... use her quote. Use her quote. She said I had the be... grossest things done to me, but she was joking. You can tell. Of course. They were saying that she was laughing about it. She described it as so much fun. She said if you put it on paper, you'd be appalled, but somehow he had this guileless little thing that he would do, those sparkly eyes. He'd look at you really playful like a puppy all of a sudden. Then he'd grab your tits and then run away, and somehow he'd get away with it. It was the 70s after all. So... I don't know, I get so frustrated when we try to act like women should feel a certain way about something. And I have spoken to you about this in the week when it first came out, and we definitely disagree about this, I think. But I can imagine myself with friends or with men and similar things happening where they would have this playfulness and touch you or... It all depends on the energy to me, and the way she described the energy between her and Robin Williams was like a brother and sister. And so I don't. I know that sounds so incestuous. (laughs) Weird way to
1: express your uh, affection. It sounds
0: incestuous, but I can imagine not being threatened by
1: someone of course I don't disagree with you I say it's circumstantial for sure I can imagine scenarios on paper with me and my friends me and my male friends that just wouldn't sound good on paper I can jokes we crack things we say ways we deal with each other like that some of that stuff doesn't sound good on paper which brings me to I think the most important point about this which a lot of people I think or has gone over the heads of a lot of people in this entire Me Too debate, because this is the conversations that we need to be having, is the nuance to it. But it's not about sex. It's not about the act, but it's about power. And so when a lot of people, when we're talking about the Robin Williams case, sure, there was the act of, in inverted commas, sex. So he might have been grabbing her boob or walking around naked, But it's the power dynamic in that scenario that's the most important point. She felt fine. They were on an even... Even keel. Even keel. They're both stars of the show. She never felt threatened. And I think that's where we need to be really, really clear because I think a lot of people... With these kinds of conversations, we run the risk of two things happening. A, some people calling us and saying that we have double standards or B, other people saying that we're being hysterical, that if someone didn't feel threatened, then we shouldn't be, like you said, enforcing victimhood on it. So we need to be really careful about how we have these conversations. And I think it's when we point to power that we can be really clear. It's, it's all about the power, power dynamic.
0: And I will be completely clear. I don't think someone would get away with this today. I just no. don't think it's worth Can you worthwhile imagine? doing. But I think looking back, it's understandable to see how something like this would transpire and a dynamic like this would eventuate. But I don't think we should judge Robin Williams as a man and as a comedian based on this story because there are no victims and there's no point creating a negative out of something where no one's affected no one has been left reeling from this there is no negative that came from this to find so I guess a lot of the uh, people on set they spoke to a producer and they spoke to a director from Mork and Mindy and they basically just said Robin Williams was all about shocking people and he found comedy and Humour in the surprise element of things he would do. So, yeah, he would walk around naked just to see how people would react. And, yeah, he would be incredibly playful, like Dorba said.
1: Yeah. This is, okay, this is, and this is the other part where I find this feel really, really conflicted about how we talk about the story because. It's all well and good for us and I, I believe firmly that there isn't an issue with this exchange because she says there was no issue and I take that as fact and run with it. But I have an issue with us looking at behaviour like this and saying as an absolute, it's not a problem because I think by saying that as an absolute, it's not a problem, we're not giving the real nuance and the real details of the dynamics between Dorba and williams and we're almost giving permission for other men to look at a scenario and say i'm sure she's fine with it i'm sure our dynamic is one that works i'm sure she doesn't feel threatened by me where the power imbalance doesn't exist and i don't want anyone to take that and say i can assume that she's okay with it so therefore i'm going to do it so i think we need to have these conversations and say like you said it might have been fine then we could never get away with it now and probably don't take that bet
0: Yeah. And this is something with a million shades of grey, but I guess the victimhood that we've been talking about really reminds me of a similar case, which is that of Roman Polanski. So for those who don't know him, he's a very, very famous uh, movie maker. Basically, he's a producer. And he, in 1977, raped a 13-year-old. Her name's Samantha. She was drugged
1: before the sexual assault took place. The the facts itself are quite... Oh, it's
0: insane. insane. He basically uh spiked her drink and she was For the record
1: he pled um guilty. guilty. Yeah. So we can, This is
0: yeah. this is legit. He did yeah. rape Samantha Geimer. But Years and years on, he's never served really prison time or he's never really been punished for it because he has avoided extradition to the U.S. So he fled to Paris, I think it was. Yeah, he's been living in Europe.
1: He never was extradited back.
0: Yeah, and Samantha Geimer says, I'm not a victim. I've forgiven him. I've moved on with my life. I don't want to constantly be defined by this thing that happened to me when I was a child. And people really struggle with that because, of course, when we're talking about these things, I'm not saying that the men in these situations are squeaky clean, especially in the case of Polanski. What he did was depraved and disgusting. But we cannot make women feel like victims if they don't want to accept that victimhood.
1: No, and I think this is where I felt really conflicted with the Samantha Geimer story is because ideally with a rape victim, this is what we want. This is the outcome that we want. And if you read into her quotes and, and the interviews that she's given as an adult woman and as a mother and as a wife, she's saying, this was a really, really terrible thing to happen to me. But this by no means had an impact on how I live my life now. It hasn't. doesn't have an impact on who I am. I've worked through it. I've moved past it. I now love my husband. I now love my sons. She lives in Hawaii, I think. And I love the life that I live. I hate the fact that my name is still in the news cycle because of this really awful thing that happened and I think if we think of an ideal scenario of any survivors of sexual assault this is what we want for them to be able to work through it and to have a life that exists beyond that really awful event and in saying that when she says these quotes and you read them feels like polanski gets off a bit scot-free doesn't yeah well and you feel like it's an you're 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 a polanski apologist
0: yeah well it really short circuits that long-held idea we have that someone who commits a crime needs to be punished and of course that is a human and natural response to feel like if you do something immoral you should be punished for it and that is something that the western world really holds up as an ideal that if you do if you commit a crime you need to be punished but these women kind of circumvent that they kind of go well I've moved on I don't feel the need for retribution I've established a wonderful life for myself and I don't need him to serve time for what he did which is really interesting to look at well
1: I think she might have thought very differently back 35 years ago 30 years ago 20 years ago 10 years ago even but this has been dragging on for so long that I kind of understand that she's just over it mm. in the case of Robin Williams and Pam Dober, my issue much more with this is us publicly talking about it not being an issue and it's tricky when someone's also passed away so we're speaking about a man who's
0: not with us anymore who doesn't have the right of reply who well it it sounds ridiculous because why would he have to reply because no one's come out and said that he's offended them or upset them i guess it's the media that's creating this dialogue and narrative around it but because he is dead it makes it more complicated.
1: And people have come out and said, we shouldn't talk about this because he is dead, which is difficult. That's stupid. Okay, firstly, that's bullshit because there's a biography coming out about him anyway. So we're going to be talking about him. And if you're going to have biographies written about you after you've died, there's going to be good stuff and there's probably going to be not so good stuff. Mm. Like that's just the nature of life. I think to say that you have no right of reply is also a little bit wrong because you have family and you have friends who can talk on your behalf. There is nothing stopping the people around you from from having those conversations publicly. But I think if we start saying that we can't have these conversations about men because they're dead or women um, because they're dead, that's a very dangerous precedent. I understand with the Robin Williams one, it's a really unique scenario in that the allegations on paper sound much worse than they are in reality. But I think we Not st- allegations. Well, they are. Well, oh, well, sorry, they're, they're facts. Sorry, the stories. You're right, the stories. She's not alleging anything. No, the stories that she said on paper yeah. are much worse than they are in reality. i sorry. But I still think we, I think it's a really, really positive thing that they're public, that we're talking about them. Because as much as we say we have to be careful about our language, I haven't seen too much outrage about Robin Williams about them.
0: Yeah, and by all accounts, you can be, a good guy and you can be respectful to women but have things in your past that we should be able to look at and examine and i don't think anyone would look at this and say that robin williams was a misogynist or sexist i think we can look at it with the gift of hindsight and think this probably wasn't okay and even though there were no victims this isn't acceptable in today's society uh it has opened up other things i didn't realize uh how complicated robin williams uh, life was, I guess. I had no idea that he had left his first wife because he got the nanny pregnant. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. He got the nanny pregnant and then he had three oh, wives and all
1: these high profile, funny, adored men that have f- so flawed in real life. And yeah, just have inter- well,
0: it's just interesting history with women. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he at all was disrespectful to women. I mean, you can say whatever you want about that first and second marriage, uh, but it's just interesting. We should be able to talk about it, even if they're dead. And I don't think it would be accepted in today's society, but I'm not about to look at Pam Dorbar and say that she should feel any less powerful or strong because this happened to her. It was a bit of fun. Yeah, it was a
1: bit of fun. I agree with that. I also think that there's no way we can um, take this for anything more than what it actually is on paper. I don't think you can read into it too much, but I also think we have to be really, really careful about how we have these conversations and look at these stories because 99 times out of 100 it's probably not the woman that's laughing and is fine with it
0: thank you so much for joining us for episode three you can subscribe to shameless in your podcast feed we are an independent podcast and the way other people find our show is for you to either tell them about it or tell itunes about it
1: Yeah, do that. (laughs) Do it. Um, And also don't forget, as always, you are so more than welcome to take part in the conversation by joining our Facebook group. Just search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook and come and be our friend. If you want to also, you can email us your thoughts. Our email is shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter where we will be live tweeting Bachelor in Paradise. We will. And you guys can follow us on Instagram
0: because as we say every week, we are everywhere. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media.